0: How's everybody doing? Praise God. Praise God. It's always a blessing to be here. I always want to start like that because it is a complete blessing that the Lord would allow me to come here and to minister uh, and to preach the Word of God from this very pulpit in front of my very sisters in Christ. Uh, So I never want to take that lightly. I never want to take lightly that the Lord has opened this door for me to come into this very place at this very time, at this very hour, this very day, to give you the word of God. Uh, that is just a blessing and an honor for me to do that. And my prayer is that I can do that effectively and that I can represent God well. Because we're ambassadors for Christ. That's what he says. We're ambassadors for Jesus while we're here uh, on this earth. He actually says that we're of the world, but we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Our, our, our world, our kingdom is a heavenly kingdom uh, that is to come. Uh, so, I'm going to open us up in some prayer uh, and then I'm going to get started. We're going to be in Ephesians. Uh, we'll open up some prayer. Uh, Father God, I just, we just acknowledge you in this place, God. We acknowledge that you say, Where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am. So, Father God, you are here. Jesus, you are here. You are present, Father God. Uh, I agree with my sister Ashley's prayer in the beginning. If there's any darkness here uh, in the name of Jesus, it must go. Uh, So we pray that and we ask that in Jesus' name. I pray that tonight uh, as we minister out of the Scriptures, Father God, that we leave here changed. Because that's what the Word of God does. It changes us. When you have an encounter with the living God... Through the living Word of God, it changes you. You have come in one way and heard the Word of God, and you leave another way. So God, I pray that that takes place here tonight, Father God. I pray that you do rule and reign in this place. We know that you do. You have all authority in heaven and on earth, Father God. That is what your Word tells us, and we stand on your Word because your Word is truth. It is the rock, and everything else is sinking sand. So Father God, I pray tonight that you would just join us that you would recline a table with us tonight, Father God, and that your word uh, would go forth. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I was at home today, uh, and I got I got a sweet message from my sister Ashley asking me if I would be willing to share for 10 or 15 minutes. Out of the overflow of what I've been learning and what I've been reading. We should always be learning when we are reading. That's why we read is to learn and to know God more, to know Jesus more, to know who God is, what God has done, who God says we are and how we live our lives in light of those truths. And you can find every bit of that in Scripture in the truth. So when she asked me this, I just happened to be in my favorite book of the Bible. I'm in Ephesians. My reading plan is I read one book of the Bible for a month straight. Every single day I'll read the whole thing. And this month happens to be Ephesians. And my very favorite chapter in Ephesians, chapter 2. And the reason chapter 2 is my favorite chapter is because when I first came to Christ, I would read the Gospels and the goodness of the Gospels. The goodness of Jesus, what Jesus has done, what Jesus did, and what Jesus continues to do today. And then I got into the epistles and I read Ephesians. Now myself, coming out of addiction, heroin addiction, meth addiction, years and years of homelessness, years and years incarcerated, and becoming a new creation in Christ, because that's what He does. We're a new creation in Christ. When we come to Christ, the old is gone and the new has come, right? We have died with Jesus in His death, and we have resurrected with Him into new life so as I'm reading Ephesians, this wraps up not only my whole life, but I believe most of our lives in here. If we've come from a a rough background, pride, idolatry, addiction, home any of these things that take presence over God, which is called an idol in our lives, and I had many coming from the life that I came from. So when I read Ephesians 2, it is just such a reminder of how good God is. Where he's brought me from. And as I am just praying back here, God shows no partiality. What he does for one person, he will absolutely do for another. And for me, man, he had to bring me to the end of myself. I'm talking every door shut. No one's picking up the phone man, I thought that I was going to die in a tent and I thought that that's what my family would hear. Hey, your son, we found him. He was in a tent. He overdosed dead. But because of God and because of the Gospel because of what Jesus does in my life and continues to do in my life and I live in this new creation, I'm not that old man anymore. So I'm going to read. I usually read out of the ESV, but I've lately been reading out of the NLT. So it's a little different, but it still punches home the same message. So I'm going to read, if you guys have your Bibles, if my sisters have my Bibles, go ahead and turn to Ephesians 2. We're going to be reading 1 through 10. And it says this. Once, you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. Obeying the devil... The commander of the power in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. Following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature we were subject to God's anger. Like everyone else. But God So God can point to us all in the future age as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness towards us. As shown in all He has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. That is blows my mind. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Praise God, praise God. Now, the first thing I want to point out here is when we get into these scriptures, the very first word is "once." That's a past tense word. Once you were dead, meaning through Christ you are no more dead. Because of your disobedience, and many sins you once used to live in sin. That's another past tense word. So Paul is saying he's talking to a church in Ephesus. Which is a very... There was a lot of pagan worship there. A lot of worldly worship there. And he's saying, man, Paul's punching at home. You were all dead in your sin. You were all dead in your trespasses. You were all following the prince of the power of the air. That's what it says in the ESV. The prince of the power of the air who is Satan. He says, once we all once walked. He doesn't exclude anybody. He doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care what your race is. What your social status is. He says every single person used to follow the prince of the power of the air. And how do we know that's true? Because we are born into sin. Our flesh is born into sin. We have a sin nature. And that's why when we get down to verse 4. When we get to verse 4 in Ephesians 2. And it says, but God... So he's reminding us just as, man, when I was reading this this morning, man, I am like, God, you are so good because that is my life. I was following the prince of the power of the air. I was living and fulfilling the desires of my body and my flesh. And it says that the spirit and the flesh are at war with one another. And we can read that in Galatians. There's fruits of the flesh and there's fruits of the spirit, right? The fruits of the flesh are disobedience, Sexual, all kinds of things. But the fruit of the Spirit is peace, peace, joy, kindness, love, happiness, gentleness. And this is what happens when we change. And that's what happens in verse 4 when it says, But God? Man, we got to listen to that. But God? But God is so rich in mercy and He loved us so much that even though, even though what it says in 1 through 1 through 3, even though we were dead, we were dead in our sins, even though we were dead in our trespasses, He gave us life when He raised Jesus from the dead and we are united with Christ. Christ's righteousness is imputed. We are not righteous. Christ is righteous and His righteousness is in us because guess what? Christ dwells inside of us. We are a temple for the living God. You know, once once if you read your scriptures once it tells us that there was only a certain priest on a certain day that could go into the holy of holies and go before God and ask for repent what could repent for everybody and ask for forgiveness of sins. But you know what happened when Jesus died on that cross? Man, that veil was torn. So that we can all enter the holies of holies. So that we can all go before God. So that we can all repent before a living God. So that we don't have to sacrifice animals and all these things anymore that was in the law. Today, we can go to Christ with our heart and ask for repentance. We can repent, it says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. God says this. He says that He wishes that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. That's why, man, you hear people saying, come Jesus, come Jesus, come Jesus. Yes, but God is so merciful and so faithful. And right here it says He loves you so much that He doesn't come right now because He's still drawing us in. He's still drawing our brothers and sisters in, men and women in. That's what He's saying, that He wishes that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And not only that, not only is it saying that we have so much good news and even the whole scripture is good news. But in Ephesians 2, when we get down here to 10, it says, for we are God's masterpiece. Yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? It says that we're God's we're, we're Jesus's inheritance. Jesus came and died so that he could inherit us like check it out a couple years back. I certainly didn't think anybody would want to inherit this. Right? Like, oh man, you're inheriting me? That is not a good inheritance. Like, trust me, that's not a good inheritance. You don't want to inherit me. But Jesus saw that it was so important. and He loved us so much that he actually died for that inheritance. He died for every single person in this room. Think about that. You are the inheritance of Jesus Christ's death on a cross who reconciled us to God. It says, once you were not a people. It says, now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy. Now you have received mercy. Praise Jesus. So we're God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ. So the old man is dead. The new man has come in Christ. Because of Christ, we have a newness of life. And he says this, so we can do good things that he planned long ago for us. He planned good things for us. In, in the ESV it says, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, listen to this, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has a purpose for every life in this world. He doesn't just die on a cross so that we can continue living in the sinful life that we were living in. Now let me explain something very clearly. I am a sinner, and I am in need of a Savior. Every single day of my life, I need to be—I need to know that I need a Savior. And God has created good works for us. And that's what it says right here. So I want you to know that you are loved by God. God knows your past. There's nothing that surprises our God or He would cease to be God at all. It's not like God was like, oh man, I can't believe that happened. I didn't see it. No, God sees all and knows all and is in all. So you are loved. And when you think about this verse, God knew you in the darkest, dirtiest, most sinful place that you were, the most detestable thing that you've ever done, and He still died for you. He still loves you. Now, granted, Paul says, do I continue sinning so that grace may abound? He says, by no means. We need to learn to hold grace costly. And why do we hold grace costly? Because it costs Jesus everything. So I'm just going to leave right there. That's kind of the overflow that that I've been reading out of this week. Uh, I pray that it ministered to you. Ashley's going to come up and... Uh, give a message as well. I love you. I'm, I'm glad that I got to stand up here and share the overflow of my heart with my sisters. So. I
1: love Ephesians too. So we're actually going to be in Daniel 3. That is in the Old Testament, actually. A page number. So I can tell you that it is after, um, it is after Ezekiel. So Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, Jeremiah, or Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. Kind of in the middle. So Daniel three. So I'm not sure if there's uh, how familiar you, how familiar you are with Daniel, but Daniel is uh, in the Old Testament. It's it's about a man named Daniel. He is a prophet that God used to speak to the uh, Israelites while they were in captivity. So they have been exiled uh, by King Nebuchadnezzar. They are now living in Babylon. So they are in a foreign land, under foreign people, under foreign religion. And uh, this this religion is, is I mean, they worship idols, they worship the king. Uh, it's, there's no God in it whatsoever. But uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were set apart from the beginning. They were going to be used by God to show King Nebuchadnezzar mighty things, that God is the great I am. He is the only one. He's the Alpha and the Omega. There is no man above God. And uh, there is definitely no idol above God. And so uh, as time kind of goes in the first two chapters, uh, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach, and Abednego are shown favor. And so they they become uh, very close with the king, Nebuchadnezzar. They are uh, lifted. Uh, they're they're lifted in uh, positions of authority, um, and so uh, man, they're they're doing some things. They're 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 going places, and uh, you already know how that's gonna look with the other people around them. You think about jealousy, envy, man. Like they, why are these Jews? What's so special about these Jews and their God? You know, so just keep that in mind when we, when we dive into Daniel chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold. And the height was 60 cubits and its width was 60 cubits. So that's about 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. That's a huge statue. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. The Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent word to all the nation, to all of Babylon, from corner to corner, to the prefects and governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image of Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Okay, so think about that. He's sending out messengers to all corners of his kingdom, province, to his kingdom, and he says, uh, you better be there. This is a huge thing that's going on. So all of these people, they assembled together for the dedication, and they stood before the image of Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the herald, so you a messenger, someone who is speaking very loudly, proclaimed to you, which is the people, the command Okay, this is a command. This is not a suggestion. This is not a question or, hey, maybe you can do... No, this was a command. The command was given, O peoples, nations, and men of every language, that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of the furnace, a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, at that time, when the music started playing from all different kinds, all peoples, all nations, all tongues fell down. And worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up. Nebuchadnezzar was was known for his brutality, for his his evil. Uh, I mean, he left no captives behind. He was a he was a brutal warrior king. He was known by bloodshed. And you don't get to where you're at, like King Nebuchadnezzar, without being cruel, without being brutal, without laying the hammer down when it counts. Babylon was one of the biggest kingdoms this world has ever seen. So some people had some right to be scared. They didn't want to die. Okay, so think about that. Alright, all of these men and women are taken from their land, taken from their homeland, and they are put underneath this king. So they're looking to this king for grace, for mercy, for survival, for everything. For this reason, and, and you already know, okay, if, if the king is going to have a tight, if he's going to have his kingdom tight, he's going to have eyes and ears everywhere, right? He's going to make sure that everybody is following his orders. So you already know, there are spies, there is, there's is people working for the king everywhere to make sure that every knee bowed. And so, for this reason, at that time, a certain uh, certain Chaldeans—these are these are uh, people from Babylon—came forward and brought charges against the Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar the king, "O king, live forever." You have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, tigran, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of music, is to fall down and worship the golden image. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a blazing fire. I'm sorry, midst of a furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews. Whom you have appointed over the administration of the providence of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O oh king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Can I be known like that? Can I please be known like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Because you know what? We go out there, what are we what is the world worshiping? Fame? Glory? Money? position, sex, drugs, you name it, right? We are surrounded. I mean, even self, right? Well, I will do what makes me happy as long as you do what makes you happy, okay? So we're surrounded by these lies and these Nebuchadnezzars that want us to bend our knee, bow down, and worship them. But three men, Three men out of this entire kingdom said, nope, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> then Nebuchadnezzar enraged because I, I, I really like how the Chaldeans just kind of like, they, they kind of like put their thumb in that wound, right? So not only do they say um, we, these three men are not bowing their knees. So that would set off Nebuchadnezzar anyway, right? But then they say, which you have appointed. They made sure to say, "Uh, these are your people. You put into their positions and they're not bowing their knee to you. They're making that wound fester and grow. So what does Nebuchadnezzar do? In rage and anger, he gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is this true? Are you guys for real? I give you guys position, I give you guys authority, I give you guys these royal robes and these, these, this food and, and this money, and, and this is how you repay me? All I'm doing is asking you to bend your knee. Is this true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods and worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, because, man, Nebuchadnezzar is like, man, sure, you know what? If they just talk to me face to face, if I can reason with them, if I can show them, you know, that it's not so bad, if I can just get a face to face with them, you know what? They'll come to to their senses. They'll, they'll bend their knee because once they see that I'm for real, that if you don't do this, you're dead, they'll come to their senses. They'll, they'll wake up. Because he gives them a chance. He's like, now if you are ready, at that moment, you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the tragron, the psaltery, the bagpipe, and all kinds of musics. Uh, you can fall down and worship the image that I have made very well. But if you do not worship... You will immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace, a blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Oh, boy. Man, this gets me so excited. Come on now. I'm so glad he asked that question. Because let me let me show you. Let me show you. Oh, man. I want to be a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because this is what they said. This is what they said. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, there's no king in that. There's no king in that. They're not even, they're, he's not even king anymore. Because you're putting yourself in position of my God. So they say, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But, oh man, I love this next sentence. I love this next sentence because they say, but, even if he does not. Oh, let that sink in, sisters, let that sink in. But even if he does not let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. (laughs) Ladies, there's a furnace out there. There is a furnace out there and there are Nebuchadnezzars asking you to bend your knee to that dope, to those streets, to that money. They're saying, bend it now or you're going to die. You better stand firm, sisters, on the word and the truth that our God is bigger. Our God is able. And even if, even if he still has you go into that furnace, you still will not bend your knee. Make that Nebuchadnezzar be filled with wrath because that's exactly what happened. I am. I want that boldness, I want that courage. Man, I, I just, I desire that every single day. And I wanna be able to look at every Nebuchadnezzar and, and, and see their face, because that's exactly what happened. He was so filled with rage and wrath that his face changed. His facial expression was altered but towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he—I mean—to the point where he gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more. He was that pissed off. That's how we need to be making the devil. That's how we need to be making the world. Amen. They need to look at us and say, "Make it hotter! Make it hotter! Make it hotter!" Amen. He was so hot that the that the officer that was that was going to throw them in died. He didn't even go in there. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were ordered to be cast into the furnace of blazing fire. These men were tied up with their trousers, their coats, their caps, and other clothes, and they were cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. It was so hot, the king's command was urgent and the furnace had been made extremely hot the flame of the fire slew the men who carried shadrach meshach and abednego so that's when they should have died that's when they sh- that's when they should have passed out and that that probably <laughs> i don't know like that probably would have caught my attention right away right like those men died but they're still standing because god wasn't done yet He wants to make himself known even bigger and even more. But these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire, still tied up. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded and stood up in haste. He said to his high officials, was it not three men we cast bound into the midst of the fire? They replied to the king, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm, and the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Who is that? Jesus! Jesus, King Jesus. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near the door of the furnace a blazing fire and he responded, "Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, come out, you servants of the most high God, and come here." Amen. Then Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. The the the, the satraps, the per the prefects And the governors and the king's high officials gathered around and saw in regard to these men that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men, nor was the hair of their head singed, nor were their trousers damaged, nor had the smell of fire even come upon them, nothing! This world can't touch God's children. This world has no ability to bring us down. If we stand firm and say, no, I will not bend my knee. No, I will not follow you. Because my God, my God will rescue us. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who put their trust in him, violating the king's command, and yielded up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any god except their own god. That is what we are called to do. We are called to die to self to die to this world and say I am not going to bow my knee. I am not going to give you my worship, my adoration, my time, my thoughts. I'm going to worship the one true God who gives me life, who will give me life after this life. Because either way, you guys check this out. Either way, we're going to we have to choose death. Whether you follow that world, that's eternal torment and death. That is eternal separation. That is that is sin. You will die in your sin, just like Mike said. We are born with a sin nature, and so if you desire to go against the, or go and follow the world, you will have an eternal death. But us as believers, as children of God, we are called to die to self. And you know what? We may have to go through that fire. We may have to endure that torment of of, of you know the flame from the furnace. But you know what? Oh man. That's a refiner's fire. That's the refiner's fire where you come out, you're not sitting, the world does not touch you. And yet you have eternity. You have eternity with your God and your one true king. That is why I want to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Man, I want to, like I said, I want to have that courage. I want to have that strength every single day. Refining may hurt because refining burns what is not pure in the eyes of our Father. But that's, man, I've said it before. Those scars, those scars from refining, from pruning, from stripping, they heal into new life. They heal into becoming more like Jesus, closer to Jesus, more intimate with Jesus. So I encourage you guys, take a stand. Take a stand. Because I'm telling you right now, there's some Nebuchadnezzars in this room. There's some addiction in this room. There's some bondage and chains in this room. Amen. Man, stand firm and say, you know what? I'm not going to bow mine. I am not going to follow. I am not going to give my time, my energy, nothing to you. So stand firm, sisters. Man, I just love this message. This got me going. This got me fired up. Thank you, Jesus. Like, man, I'm so glad. I'm so glad I get to do this with you guys every single week. Oh, let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word, the word of God. Oh, you have you have breathed your life into these words and we I can feel, I can feel your presence. I can feel your presence, Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for arriving and just blowing us out of the water. You are such a good God. You are such a good good Father. Oh, you are so faithful to us. I thank you, Lord, for every single woman in this room no matter where they are walking, no matter how bound they may be, I pray, Father God, that you continue to chase after them and that they know that you are after their heart and their mind and their soul and their emotions. I pray, Father God, that you would chase them with that everlasting love that requires nothing from them but complete surrender. Oh, I pray, Father God, that you would call each woman by name. I pray, Lord, that you would just allow your presence To fill this week, Lord. You are not bound by time or space. So I pray, Father, that these seeds that were planted, they would continue to root and they would take root and that the enemy would not be able to snatch them away. I pray, Lord, a special hedge protection over this place. I pray that your blood, Jesus, would just seal from uh, wall to wall from ceiling to floor, the enemy does not have room to play here. The enemy does not have room to roam here. So I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you cast him out, you rebuke him. This is not his playground. I just love you, Lord, and I thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done, for saving us, for, for, man, for dying for us and giving us new life. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to be with you for all of eternity. Oh, Maranatha, Maranatha, come back, Lord, come back. We just love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.